You're listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, Episode 85. Welcome to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, where we explore public health epidemiology careers and share tips and strategies to help you enter or transition into the field. And now your host, Dr. Charlotte Hughes-Huntley. Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining me on this episode. In this episode, I introduce you to Jane Fidishery, who has over 16 years of experience as a community pharmacist who practices medication safety on a daily basis, ensuring that patients receive the right medication and dosage every day. She also has a master's of business administration and a master's of public health, so an MBA and an MPH. Her interest in public health started while she was in pharmacy school. That's an interesting story that she shares during the interview. She discusses some of the opportunities that exist for the role of the pharmacist in public health. And she talks about her strong desire to help educate and empower underserved and underinsured populations, especially those who suffer from diabetes and cardiovascular disease. Jane refers to herself as a volunteer junkie, having served as a volunteer for the American Diabetes Association since 2010, as well as several other organizations. So before we jump into the interview, I just want you guys to know that this is also recorded during the time that I was sick. If you heard the previous episode with Dr. Monique Brown, I explained that I was sick and congested, but didn't want to reschedule the interview. Well, this one was also recorded on that same day. It might not matter to you guys, and I really hope it doesn't, but I just feel better if I tell you ahead of time and ask for grace as you listen to this interview and hear my congestion and stuffiness. But again, I hope it does not matter. You know, maybe maybe it demonstrates my commitment to my work, right? Turn that around into a positive. Okay, let's join the interview now with Jane. Well, I'm very excited to invite my special guest to the show today, Jane Fadishiri. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. <laughs> okay, I've been practicing. I did not want to mess your name up. <laughs> Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Awesome. Now, if you wouldn't mind, just take a moment to tell the audience a little bit about your background and your education and experience and the kind of work that you're doing. So I'm a pharmacist with uh, over 16 years experience in community pharmacy. I have practiced pharmacy in Maryland, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Louisiana, and currently in Texas. I'm also a pharmacy preceptor in the state of Texas. My uh, various pharmacy settings include pain management, medical supplies, independent pharmacy, and chain pharmacy. I obtained my doctor of pharmacy degree from Howard University, Washington, D.C., and a dual MBA-MPH from Benedictine University in Lease, Illinois. I am currently a staff pharmacist with CVS Pharmacy. I'm also a member of the Advancement Team Board with the American Diabetes Association, Central South Texas, where I help advance the mission of the ADA in the community. And I also serve on the board of directors of Minority Women Pharmacists Association, uh, MWPA. We became incorporated last year, and part of our mission is to enhance the presence of minority women in the healthcare industry 
provide service to our communities and support each other. And in my spare time, I like to volunteer. So I have volunteered with the ADA since 2010. I started in Louisiana and I continued in Texas. While in Houston, I volunteered with the San Jose Clinic for two years and during Hurricane Harvey. And I also organized community events with the Houston chapter of MWPA. I think that's awesome. And I think it's cute that you say in your spare time, we should put air quotes there. (laughs) (laughs) So at what point did you become interested in public health? So my, my interest in public health actually started in pharmacy school. I chose pharmacy because I had a strong desire for people to be healthy Then years into practice, I noticed that some of my patients were on the same drug regimen for years and were having higher doses of their maintenance drugs being prescribed. And I thought to myself, hmm, there had to be another way to help these patients stay healthy and possibly healthier. And then also through my volunteer work and interacting with patients at the pharmacy, I discovered many lacked health education and didn't understand why they were taking certain medications, were unaware of resources available to help them for their, on their health journey. And then I also had patients leave the doctor's office and ask me what their indication was, some being terrified about a new diagnosis or even avoid taking medications because they read the side effects. And then I began to wonder about other ways to um, help my patients stay healthy and empowered. Keep in mind that a well-educated patient will be empowered to make the right health choices. So my curiosity uh, to make my community healthier led me to pursue my master's in public health. I think that's great. I know from my own personal experience with myself and with caring for my mother when you go to the doctor, sometimes you just, you know, you're rushed in, you're rushed through those 10 or 15 minutes in that office. And in that 10 or 15 minutes, they're doing all your vital signs, maybe two minutes with the doctor and they're gone. And it's so fast. And um, you really do have to uh, have this level of empowerment and this confidence to say, to know what questions to ask and, you know, to be a part of that conversation, not just sort of passing through. And I, I also know that it's so important to have a relationship with the pharmacist because you don't have to be best friends. I don't mean like that, but I do mean that just to be able to ask a question if you need clarity, but it can be very intimidating and scary to have all these things happen and get to the point of, you know, being at the pharmacist, picking up medicines, and you don't even know what you're picking up. You just sick. And the doctor says, take this, I'm taking these pills. And um, so there has to be a, you know, I guess, a better way to kind of bridge as multiple gaps there from the time that they're in the doctor's office to the time at the pharmacy. But I do appreciate the role that you play there in, in noticing that too. That which leads me into my next question, which is I was going to ask you to describe some of the opportunities that exist for, you know, your role as a pharmacist in public health. So, um, The American Public Health Association and the American Society of Health System Pharmacists have both issued statements on the role of pharmacists in public health. Uh, Some of the examples include population-based care, disease prevention and medication safety, health education, 
emergency preparedness, research and training, uh, substance abuse, prevention, education and treatment, academia, and advocating for sound legislation. I recently embarked on my first um, advocacy event uh, last Tuesday. I went to the Capitol in Austin to speak with legislators on some bills that I would like them to, you know, suggest, you know, friendly suggestion that they help, you know, vote for. That was a, that was a good experience. But personally, for me as a community pharmacist, I practice medication safety on a daily basis, you know, by ensuring that my patients receive the right drug, right indication, right dosage and administration, because you don't want someone, you know, chewing their suppository. So you have to make sure that they're doing that right. That's part of what I do. And also to ensure that there are no interactions between their current meds and new medications. Now, during Hurricane Harvey in 2017, I had volunteered at one of the shelters and I saw firsthand the role of pharmacists during the crisis. While I was there, I had administered um, tetanus shots and flu shots to the police officers um, who were rescuing patients. And then I also helped dispense medication to some of our displaced citizens. And then community pharmacists provide immunizations for disease prevention. And many times we are the first health care providers they reach out to before they visit the doctor. I recall there was this occasion a lady had approached me. She had a burn on her leg and she was self-treating. And then she noticed it wasn't healing. It seemed to have been getting worse. So she stopped by and she said, okay, could you recommend another over-the-counter treatment? So I looked at the wound and then I instructed her to go to the urgent care center. She took my recommendation, came back and thanked me. She said she got prescribed some antibiotics and was told that had she waited longer, that that would have been a staph infection. So here's an example of how, as a community pharmacist, you know, we help with disease prevention. And this is something I come across so many times. I had um, a two-time breast cancer survivor ask me a personal question on a medication. She was like, if I was your mother, what would you advise me to do? So I had to explain the why behind her medication and then share the risk and benefits of taking the medication. Now she's just one person. Imagine the hundreds or thousands of other patients who are not taking their much needed medication because of lack of education. Now her doctor had prescribed that medication to her six months ago. So because she you know, she was, she, she felt comfortable talking to me as her pharmacist. She was able to open up and say, I was given this. I'm not sure if I should take it. What do you think? So you have to be on the side of the patient and understand their fears, but at the same time, be a provider and let them understand why it is important that they take the medication. Mm, those are some great examples. Yeah. And you actually make me think about some of my own personal experiences with the pharmacist. I know that years ago when I worked in the state lab and I worked in virology and even before that, when I worked in in hospital setting, we were always the first to have, you know, to get immunized, especially the flu. Like when it was flu season, we, because we dealt with it firsthand, we were like among the first to get vaccinated. Well, since I'm no longer a part of that system, it's just up to me to go in and, and get that done. And 
And I remember recently my daughter and I went together and we decided to go to our local pharmacy just to avoid having to go into the doctor's office because I didn't have any other reason to go to the doctor's office. So I just appreciated being able to have that as an option and have that little conversation with my pharmacist. And it was um, not intimidating. It was a very comfortable setting. So there's just a lot of opportunities. Um, yes. Yep. I like that. <laughs> so is there a particular population or condition or public health problem that you are most passionate about? So I find myself drawn to diabetes. Um, my grandmother had diabetes. My mother is type 2. And um, so I, I've always found myself drawn to that. And of course, I did some volunteer work with the ADA. So I'm passionate about diabetes, also cardiovascular diseases, and then um, nutrition. I strongly believe people should make their food their medicine and not medicine their food. Now, not all disease states can be improved or reversed through you know, good nutrition, but a lot of chronic diseases like, you know, hyperlipidemia, hypertension, and diabetes are preventable and good nutrition exercise are ways to help reverse some of those trends in some of our population. Also, just still on the topic of diabetes, I know that the number of pre-diabetic patients in our country is alarming. According to the CDC, approximately 84 million American adults have prediabetes. That's more than one out of three. So I've seen this across all the states that I've practiced in. Diabetes does not discriminate. It affects all ethnicities. And then I will say that I'm a nosy shopper. So <laughs> when I go to the grocery stores, I just get curious and I'm like, what are, what are people eating? What are they cooking? And I've noticed that they're more canned food than fresh produce. A lot of people aren't eating right. Our quick fix meals sometimes are a source of our unhealthy eating habits. So as I had mentioned before, preventative care such as exercise, meditation, Spending time with nature can help reduce stress and promote well-being. And this needs to be promoted more at the doctor's offices, maybe the dentist and the pharmacist. You know, even think of the barbershop. So if we can think of non-medical avenues to promote health and people are consciously being reminded of other ways to stay healthy. Um, that That's one thing I'm passionate about. I like that. I, I really agree with you on that too. And and that aligns with a lot of my own personal, I guess, passions for public health and my own personal beliefs. It's interesting you mentioned the nutrition because I was just over the last, I don't know, maybe a few months, I've been thinking about how I want to make a change. I've always been really good about tracking my food because I realized that we can take more carbs and sugar and calories than we realize, but by tracking it, we're really conscious of what, you know, what we're eating. So I've been doing that for a while, but I just felt like it's time to make a change. And I was not sure exactly what I wanted to do, but I'm not a fan of a restrictive diet because I don't really like to feel like I can't have this. I just reverse it a bit to get excited about the things that I can have. It's just the way I present it to myself. So I have been, um, I'm on a plan and a mission here to really increase uh, my fresh vegetable intake, fresh fruits and vegetables. I'm really on a 
I'm not going to say I'm turning to just a plant-based diet, but I'm really, really picking up on that. And my thought is, as we move into the spring and the summer, because of the region I live in, there are so many wonderful vegetables and fruits that are naturally, you know, in season and they're plentiful. And it would just be easy to find really new recipes and exciting ways to grill vegetables and make different salads. And so that's that's going to be a big push for me personally, and which means for my household, um, for going into the spring and summer. Yeah, you, you sound like you'd be a good candidate for meal planning. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm open to ideas. You know, we get after you do the same thing for quite a while, you may get a little bored. So I think that's where I'm at. I want to shake things up a little bit. So what I've done before, I, I used to subscribe to the meal delivery service, and that was fun for a while. And I thought, I don't know, I just I want something a little different. So yeah, if you have some ideas, send them my way. <laughs> so let me ask you, I've digressed a little bit, but back on track, my next question for you is about vision. So considering your education and your experience and your passion, um, like what what's your vision for bringing all of this together? For me, I would like, if I had an opportunity to say, okay, like, what would my utopia be for public health? How would I like, you know, bringing everything together? Um, it would be an interdisciplinary approach. I would like to work with maybe a nutritionist, dietitian, fitness coach, and even a chef. And a reason being, at my annual checkup, I have the opportunity to spend time with a nutritionist and go over my meals. And then she shows me a nutrition template and then advises me on what portion size should be in each quadrant and then goes ahead to suggest foods I should eat. So now I'm looking at all these foods and, you know, that like they're referring to me because of my cultural background. I'm Nigerian. And of course, they sound too healthy. So sometimes I don't cook them. So for me, meal planning allows me experiment with new food and old foods and cook healthier meals. Um, I would really like my patients to not just think of uh, taking their medications as a means of staying healthy. There's more to it. There's more to it. So if I'm able to, you know, work also with a fitness instructor and, and meet patients where they are, we need to meet our patients where they are. Once we've identified their disease state, meet them where they are and encourage them, like kind of like take them by the hand. Okay. So you have, for instance, for those who have hypertension and maybe they're a little overweight, you can implement like the DASH diet where you watch your salt, you increase your potassium rich foods, you know, exercise. And when you exercise, you can reduce your blood pressure by almost 10 milligram mercury. So for me, a good way to incorporate everything will just be, I would like to work with other public health professionals where we can come with our unique perspective and just meet our patients, you know, where they are. Because many times I feel like we're telling our patients what to do and we're not listening to them. So we need to listen to our patients, hear what they're telling us, and then find a way to help them stay healthier. One plan doesn't fit all in healthcare. So that would be, that would be my approach. Oh, yeah. You made some really good points. Um, it's a collaborative effort. And I, I agree. 
I agree with you. Um, I like your ideas and, uh, and all of that is really important because it's like you said, it's not enough to just take your medicines as prescribed and consider yourself healthy. I mean, the medicines are important and they help, but there are so many other things that patients can do. And like you said, be empowered with the knowledge and understanding of what to do. And, uh, it will take that collaborative effort to guide them through each phase of, you know, the physical activity and the nutrition and so forth. Well, I appreciate everything that you've been sharing so far. And I just have one last question for you. Sure. So based on your experience, again, what sort of networking tips can you share for people who have a background in pharmacy? Because I know that I've had a lot of people in our community, listeners of the podcast, People have reached out to me who are either pharmacy techs or some other role within pharmacy, and maybe they've gotten their master's of public health, but they're just really struggling to get into public health. So do you have some ideas, some networking tips that you can share with people that have a background in pharmacy to that may be interested in moving into public health that would be helpful for them? I will say um, start with joining APHA, the American Public Health Association, because there are two APHAs, right. one for American <laughs> pharmacists, and then there's, in pharmacy, we always refer to it as, you know, which APHA? Is it the American Pharmacists Association or the American Public Health Association? <laughs> so I'll speak to the American Public Health Association, start there, and attend a conference. And also, um, the American Pharmacists Association, the Academy of Student Pharmacists for the Pharmacy Students, that will be another organization to join. SNAFA, which is Student National Pharmaceutical Association, they have programs actually preparing students for public health initiatives. And then if there are any um, pharmacy technicians, try and join the state public health association. So like for Texas, there's a Texas Public Health Association join your local public health associations and ask questions. You know, I'm interested in this. So if there's a nonprofit organization, their mission might, you know, strike a chord with you. Like for me, it's the American Diabetes Association. Join them and just ask how you can help. And there's so much to do in our communities just to help people, you know, get healthier and be on their track to good health. And there's a book titled, the Pharmacist in Public Health, Education, Applications, and Opportunities. That highlights the roles of pharmacists in public health. And if you are a minority woman pharmacist, our organization has chapters embarking on public health issues in our community. So I know, for instance, in Florida, we had our chapter participate in um, AIDS Walk to... Um, help support the mission of the organization there. And then our chapter in Houston supports, um, for over two years, we've helped raise over $7,000 to support the mission of HD in our community. So um, these are examples of places to start. Join organizations, ask questions, you know, sign up to volunteer. And through these experiences, you can, you can gain some public health experience. Those are great um, networking tips and and then, of course, leads right into experience. And and then from there, it just continues on. So I think that's those are great tips. Thank you so much for that. 
Um, this has been very insightful. I appreciate you um, taking the time and coming on the podcast and, and talking about this important collaboration, the the impact of that the pharmacists can have in public health in the local communities. So thank you again for that. I will provide the links to connect with Jane in the show notes for anyone who is interested. She's providing her contact information. So uh, you'll be able to visit the show notes page and um, connect with her. So thank you again, Jane. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the episode. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed that interview. In addition to the great tips that Jane shared during the interview, she also provided links to an article or a couple of articles, um, one she wrote about meal planning, as well as an article about type 2 diabetes discussing a free program for patients. You can find these links as well as links to connect with Jane on the show notes page for this episode, which is episode 85. So just visit the website, drchuntley.com, and that's dr. C-H-H-U-N-T-L-E-Y dot com. And once you're there, click on the podcast tab from the main menu and then navigate to episode 85. And you'll find the show notes for this episode, as well as all the links to connect with her, as well as those articles that I just referenced. So if you like the podcast and you're benefiting from the information that I share with you on these episodes, please take a moment and write a favorable review in iTunes. It really does help our show rise higher on the charts, which makes it much easier for others to find the show and decide whether or not they're going to tune in. The reviews also mean a lot to me because they encourage me to continue to put forth the effort to produce these episodes for you every week. All right, everyone, until next time, have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast at drchuntley.com.